Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow The Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we're happy to say we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and The Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take your questions in order in chat, and may also call in with a question and speak with our great guest tonight. Any buzz killers and chatter on the phone will be kicked out, and I have a copy of your number, so I'm going to bug you if you bug me, so be please play nice and be polite. Um, the only, i got a couple announcements here. On August uh, 28th, 29th in Maine, start saving your money to go to Experiences Speak out with the uh, uh, star people in Maine. Anyway, fabulous guest speakers, some of my favorite peeps in the world are going to be there. And Bob, Gary Bob Ross uh, in June is going to have his archetypical um, nature, if you're a Jungian and think along those lines. Um, he has a wonderful educational series going on right now, and the new class starts in uh, June. There's a seminar. Anyway, the tickets are available, and you're going to reach this whole thing as go to www.archety. P-A-L, nature, N-A-T-U-R-E dot com. So it's archetypicalnature.com. And it's he has some very interesting uh, things. And he says here, uh, how is your path different from others? What is your deepest source of satisfaction and fulfillment? And discover how to better understand others and give them what they really want to help you better get what you want. So anyway, he has a, a very informative uh, seminar going on. And some of them are you're able to love you on Skype. And I think it is kind of a pay-by-view thing. Uh, and the seminar is on face-to-face, so just go to that website. Anyway, tonight I have an awesome person here, and uh, we haven't met before, but I can uh, see that he's here, uh, and uh, he just needs to push the Skype to call button. And uh, we really welcome um, – he's a special guest, Archbishop – Ron Phil, a Catholic priest uh, for over 34 years, and um, he's an actual uh, exorcist, and he has many uh, fabulous experiences, and uh, he's uh, he's the, the head exorcist for the organization he belongs to in the Order of Exorcists, and uh, I want to give you right away the information so you won't lose it. You reach Archbishop at www. Order of E X O R C I S T S, and then that's also at Weebly.com. 
and you can get a hold of him there. And uh, it's, it's just really amazing. So I'm going to welcome him on, but I, I'm seeing that he's not in queue yet. So if you can hear me, um, Archbishop, you've got to push the Skype the call button. And we want to welcome you on now. Okay. It's kind of uh, difficult because we had a Skype in from Australia last week. So I think it's hard for them to see the button. So they have to be sure that they're on the main screen. And uh, it's uh, we're going to talk about that Charlie Charlie thing tonight and others. I haven't paid attention to it. And I don't know much about it. I just know that it makes me extremely nervous, so I haven't looked into it. But uh, Archbishop is on the line right now, and uh, let me welcome him aboard. Archbishop, Ron, you're on the Paranormal and the Sacred. Welcome. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing really well. I really am. Just just a little nervous to have you on tonight. I just, just blessed myself with holy water. I got the incense going. I got the candle and the Blessed Mother candles going, so I think we're going to be fine. Sounds like you're well prepared. That's great. I am very well prepared. <laughs> um, I have really kind of stayed away from this subject, and and because I I trust uh, some people, uh, mainly Ed and Marsha Becker, and they re- re- referred you, and you're actually the first one that I've had on to talk about this subject, and. Uh, it's uh, exciting for all of us to listening and everybody just kind of getting settled and getting in and in queue right now. So we really want to welcome you aboard and uh, thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. You know, to me, it's always an op- a great opportunity to share what I know, uh, whatever that might be. <laughs> and in this case, uh, I think we're referring to the demonic and uh, yes. I've had uh, a lot of experience over the years, and I'd be more than happy to share whatever I know. Well, um, Archbishop, can you tell us uh, where this all started, like where you where you grew up? We're always interested in hearing about your background and what led you into this. Well, um, I was born in a place called Brooklyn, New York, actually back east. Uh been out here for about 40 years, 45 years, and uh, I was raised in a Catholic family and um, and had the Catholic religion uh, basically taught to me at a very early age. I felt a calling for the ministry. Back in the early 70s, I got involved with a traditional old Roman Catholic order. They introduced me to... Um, well, they introduced me to the traditional way of Catholicism. And by doing so, um, I was able to learn uh, basically the Latin rite and able to do the various religious uh, rituals in Latin. Um, Since that time, I was assigned to a local parish uh, in Los Angeles, uh, actually Highland Park, and um, there I uh, was mentored by three bishops. The three bishops, um, and they all passed on uh, quite some time ago. This was in the mid-1970s. Um, was ordained a priest, received holy orders and training uh, through my mentors, who 
narcissist, uh, even back before it was fashionable. <laughs> and uh, they asked if I was interested in learning this um, this very specialized ministry, and I said I was. I felt I had a calling, and from that point on, I have been doing this um, for a very long time. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I could say that... Um, I actually was introduced and became the first and second priest to various rituals of exorcism back in uh, like 1979, 1980, 1981. Um, as a result, um, I learned and experienced a lot of things uh, and seen and experienced a lot of things that most people would only read about, I suppose. Um, so it was. It's been an interesting, an interesting ride. Um, the Order of Exorcists is part of the um, Sacred Order of Saint Michael's the Archangel. Um, it's under that jurisdiction, and it's been established back in 1981. Um, I have been, uh, because of my performance way back when, um, I was geared to do what I do today which I perform as the chief exorcist. And I'm the presiding bishop as well to uh, the Order of St. Michael's. St. Michael (laughs) is uh, the archangel uh, over all the angels. And uh, we have, uh, I'm I'm Greek Orthodox, so we always have him prominently in the home and in the church. And uh, as the warrior against evil. Yeah, see, we we use the uh, the Saint Michael's Prayer in all our rituals, and uh, we especially um, use, of course, uh, not only in our mass, but we also use it in rituals of exorcism, and we also use it as a prayer protection. So, uh, the Saint Michael's Prayer is a very important uh, part of our ritual. And this is what we've been wow. following. Yes, and uh, with good reason. And, uh, you know, most of us uh, think of the exorcist. We start thinking about that movie, The Exorcist, that scared the literal hell out of everyone. And uh, we had, I remember we were all squished in a little tiny car at the drive-in, and all of us uh, freaked out. And uh, we took it very seriously. And I think a lot of people still have the same reaction to the same movie. I don't know many people who can actually watch the movie and uh, I think there's a sense of realism to it. I think that's what gets everybody the most. You know, it's all based on your belief system. There are so many people that have different forms of belief. Um, and there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of even Christian churches that um, will not, for some reason, um, teach the existence of the demonic and of... Um, of demonic possession, oppression, and infestation. These are not things you really hear about in a parish, and it's very unfortunate. Um, very few churches have a ministry of exorcism, so this makes us somewhat unique in one real sense. We have clergy uh, and laity in 24 countries, so we're worldwide. We're an international organization. Uh, many of our priests... And bishops have parishes uh, around the world where they uh, either perform as the parish priests or they have the parish within their jurisdiction. 
and they have priests that will run the various parishes. Um, in the event that a case should happen to come up, they would contact us. And what we do is we have specially trained uh, investigators. They are referred to as our lead exorcist investigators. Now, they're not exorcists, but they are acting on our behalf as they investigate and do an assessment in regards to a case that may come to our attention. Our cases are um, they're requested. They come to us as a form of request. We look into it. We have our investigators make first contact, um, and they do the first contact interview as well as the actual demonic investigation. They use, um, I like to think they use a very scientific approach in in actually doing their investigation. They use a, uh, a camcorder, video recorder, which records everything, and then they use a very sophisticated uh, clinical questionnaire that each investigator has. And what they do is they would interview the individual, and as they go through the questions, um, everything is being recorded. So at a much later date, once they finish their assessment report, they would submit that and any other information supporting um, the fact of a real demonic uh, happening or phenomenon that may be taking place on the premises. Once we have that in our report, and if it's a uh, case of demonic possession, then we have to uh, request a complete physical uh, from a physician as well as a psychological profile. Now, the exams are forwarded to my office along with the assessment report that our investigators would submit as well as, as with the various videos. And then what I do basically is I review each report, and we have, uh, we have three physicians in our order. Uh, two of them are psychiatrists. And so when we have the psychological reports, uh, we would send them to our psychiatrist, and they will confirm a psychosis or agree with the diagnosis of what their uh, physician had, had prepared in regards to diagnosing what the situation is. Um, they would give, uh, our psychiatrist would give me their input, and then I would go to our lead investigators who have a team of their own investigators that assist them, and I would ask them um, questions in regards to their assessment reports. Um, they would make notations. They have documentation by using video camcorder um, and any other evidence that they should share. Then I take that evidence along with the medical advice that we would receive from our physicians, and then I would make a decision based on the evidence as to whether or not we have a valid case uh, of demonic activity. If that be the case, then I have to surmise as to what type of case we are dealing with. The case could either be of a demonic, as I said, demonic possession, or it could be demonic oppression. And most commonly, we have many cases that come in that are demonic infestation. Now, these are things that we have to classify as to, uh, based on the evidence that I'm reviewing. And if we have enough information 
and enough evidence, then we could go forward. If we don't have all the information, and if there's a few questions or something that cannot be validated in regards to the reports, then we have a kind of a standstill. We might have a problem. Um, we can't proceed unless we have and follow the actual process of our procedure, which we call the process. Um, in the event that something should be missing or there's not enough evidence to show that there's demonic involvement, then we will not authorize a ritual. Okay, the ritual itself... Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was thinking is, what are the, some of the items that are on your questionnaire? What are you looking for? Well, well we're looking for a lot of... Uh, in fact, I could go right down the list if you like. And yes. uh, you might find it interesting. <laughs> but uh, we, the questionnaire itself is divided in three sections. Um, the first section is the mental changes in the affected person. And the second section is the physical changes in the affected person. And the third section would be the outward manifestations. Now, the questions are directed to each person in the household. If the individual is, um, if the case is, is of a demonic possession type of scenario, then the, we would try to um, interview the person. But if it's not possible, we would interview the sister, the mother, the brother, uh, some person in the household, and then we also go through the through the uh, through the whole routine of interviewing each and every individual in the household. We ask questions, and each question we we examine how they respond to each question. Now, understand we're dealing with the human condition, which means that there's a lot of factors involved. We are dealing with the psychological profile. Of an individual. Now, the individual doesn't have to have a psychosis, but just just being in the norm, there are so many likes and dislikes, so many beliefs and inner belief systems that are so different. And if we are trying to get to the truth, we have to ask the right questions in the right sequence. So the first section is the mental changes in the affected person. Um, the questions are they they they're anywhere from. Is the person, does the person appear to be extremely quiet? Is the person isolated? Does the person have uh, changes in their sleep patterns? Um, are they sudden weight, uh, um, weight loss or gain? Uh, are there any changes in their attitude or behavior? Are they hostile? And it goes on and on and on. We cover mm -hmm. the entire uh, mental uh, scenario. And that can go on. We have over 60 questions in the questionnaire. And since this is being asked in a very systematic fashion, we're able to surmise by based on the body movement uh, and as they're asking the questions and how, they, how they're articulating the answers, we can make um, a, a pretty good assessment based on, on what type of feedback we get. The, um, as I said, the second part of the questionnaire would be the physical changes in the affected person. And this could mean... And it could be anything from voice changes, even hair color would, can change. Even the way they speak, the way they talk, if they blink, uh, if, if they have any type of abnormal appearance about them. We go into it in every uh, facet of, of the physical changes that could affect an individual who is actually possessed. And then the third section is the outward manifestations. 
Now, this is where we would ask each person in the household if they've seen objects moving by themselves or if they've witnessed things appearing and disappearing or or seeing objects that are coming in from nowhere or hearing knocking or banging sounds throughout the house or scratching sounds or flying objects or things moving by themselves or growling sounds or um, foul odors or breaking glass when there's no gr- gr- uh, uh, glass, <laughs> glass that's breaking. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole slew of questions that we have to address. And then based on the individual's response, we tally all the answers, and then we make an assessment. And this goes for everything from hearing voices to levitation to all kinds of things that could actually occur in an actual, real, outward manifestation type of scenario. And uh, so that's only one segment of the of the actual interview, but it it goes on because we're studying uh, not only the way uh, the way they're responding to the questions, but also we're studying their body language. We're looking for outward manifestations that may take place as we're interviewing. That is, things moving in the room by themselves, things levitating by themselves. Other things may be happening as we're conducting the interview, and all these things are being recorded and for later study. And you had a question. Now, this is before the priest shows up, that the things are moving yes. in the room? They've, oh, they've yes. actually yes. filmed this? The, the, priest, the priest will not show up until the case is actually approved and we have enough evidence that a ritual is required. If we do a ritual and we do not go, and we do not go through the, all the, the motions uh, and studies, of the person's behavior, his mental um, profile, his physical being, and all this other stuff, if we should happen to perform a ritual and we do it prematurely, that person could be thrown further into their psychosis. They could have a psychological break, and their condition could actually be worse as a result of doing the ritual if it's not needed. We have to make sure that the ritual is needed. So, therefore, we have to do our scientific study. That's where our investigators come in. Our investigators will do the actual first contact interview, the actual demonic investigation, and then they put together an assessment report that is submitted to my office. If there's enough evidence and we have all the documentation in place, then at that time I would contact the bishop of that jurisdiction or wherever it may be, and that bishop would assign one of his priests to do the actual ritual. But the priest will not get involved until um, the case has been uh, approved and that we have mm-hmm. enough evidence showing that there is a demonic uh, problem. So the approval comes, uh, do you have like a panel uh, that approves it, or what's the process of that? I'm the chief exorcist, so I actually mm-hmm. do all the approving. I would okay. approve a case or, 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 or disapprove it. Of course, I do this after I collaborate with our medical staff, I do it after I collaborate with our uh, investigators who actually do the assessment. After mm-hmm. I have all the everything in place, then I make the decision as to whether or not there is an actual um, approval for ritual. And, uh, and, and, you know, there are so many organizations out there that may bypass this whole process and will do a ritual at a drop of a hat. Uh, and when they do this, all types of things uh, can go wrong. Um, it's interesting. I, I picked. I, I went through the, through the internet and I, I saw an interesting site about exorcisms that have gone wrong. 
And then the uh, we're talking about a couple of hundred thousand exorcisms that have actually gone wrong, where the people have mm-hmm. um, committed suicide, or the person com- uh, actually performing the exorcism uh, did it in a way where they were beating the individual to death, or starving the individual, tying the person up, um, doing everything um, they can to expel the demonic. Unfortunately, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Um, And so we are very careful when we approve uh, a case for an actual ritual. We're going to make sure that it's a real case. And it's not just uh, someone's figment of someone's imagination. It's not someone who's crying uh, crying out wolf and trying to get attention. Uh, We have to make sure that that when a person feels that they have the symptoms of demonic possession, that they truly have it. We have to make sure and verify that these things are real. It's not a figment of one's imagination, and it's not hearsay. It's not third-party information. But rather, our investigators would do a thorough assessment on each case that they investigate. That information is submitted to my office along with any psychological or medical reports if it's a demonic possession case. And then to an approval can take anywhere from three months to six months before we actually approve a ritual. Now, a lot yeah, of people may say, well, that's a long time. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, we rather do it uh, the right way and make sure that no one is going to be harmed in the process. Because as I said, if we do a ritual and we make a mistake and we do this ritual, could either throw that person further into their psychosis. They may even, um, as a result, have a complete mental breakdown. They can commit suicide, which has happened uh, in cases, and where the clergy were held liable because they uh, were um, basically responsible for that person's care. At least that would be the interpretation of of what the uh, of what the the powers to be of of the law would, would would state that since there was a priest involved and since the person has either committed suicide or has died in the process of the ritual it must be the clergy's fault it must be their fault because they were held uh, responsible for for taking it as far as it went we have to make sure that what we do is not only valid but is legally uh, uh, um, sanctioned, if you will, by the medical community that what we're doing is real and we have witnesses and we have gone through all the procedures that will protect us and the person who is the victim. Now, if it's a matter of mental illness and if that comes out to be the case, well, obviously a ritual of exorcism is not needed. So what we would do is we would refer that individual to some mental health facility or some mental health uh, counseling, but it would be out of our area of what we do. So you see, each, each section and each, each aspect of what we do uh, has a particular a certain um, uh, issue involved. We have to know exactly what we're doing. We have the medical, they do the medical. We have the psychological, they do the psychological. We have the clergy. They do the rituals. We have our investigators. They do the investigation and assessment. So as a result, when we put all of these uh, various uh, um, uh, pieces together, we have what I refer to as the process, where we can actually make a full assessment 
and, and be justified in doing so if we have to do a ritual of exorcism. We already have uh, questions coming from the gallery. We have Anne. She's asking, what is the difference between possession and manifestation? Well, manifestation is the outward things that you see, okay, that may take place. Mostly in a demonic infestation, you see a lot of uh, manifestations take place. Actual physical things that you could see, that you could witness, that you could, you could, uh, you see it firsthand. And as a result, that's referred to as a, uh, now in regards to a possession, is that the question, or what is possession? What is a possession and what is okay. manifestation? Okay. The demonic possession is, um, it's a complete takeover of the mind, of the mind and body. Um, it's a condition in which one or more evil spirits inhabit the body of a human being, taking complete control of it as well, and expressing the personality of the demon through that individual. Um, that is complete control, uh, demonic possession. Now that would that would be the definition. The uh, manifestation, as I say, would be the things that you see that would be the byproduct of 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 what the demonic has caused uh, to happen within any given space. That would be the manifestations. Uh, the manifestations would be where you see um, things perhaps maybe levitating, or you see the walls bleeding, you hear banging on the walls or the ceiling, or you hear scratching throughout the house, or you might even see uh, electrical appliances go on and off. These are all physical outward manifestations of what we're looking for. Hearing voices is another uh, thing. Maybe a sensation of wind blowing through the house. Um, you know, even spontaneous fires have occurred and in, in, in various cases where things would just, you know, go on fire like, like by itself. It, it, spontaneous uh, uh, flames would just appear out of nowhere. Um, these are... are these are, are outward manifestations that we would refer to in a demonic setting. Now, uh, once you assess a person as, uh, you know, having uh, been possessed or uh, having problems with uh, an evil spirit, uh, what happens then? Do you, you go in and start uh, praying for them and doing uh, the well, ritual? So what happens next? Well, the, the ritual itself is a series of prayers, and the series of prayers in a very rep, repetitious fashion. And uh, so as a result, we use sacramentals. Uh, we use holy water. We use uh, blessed oil, blessed salt. We use various sacramentals within the person that is possessed. And then we go through the whole process, the whole ritual. Um, but if a person is possessed, we have to make sure it's an actual demonic possession and not something that maybe has been conjured within the mind where there's a chemical imbalance. Maybe it was just a, a straight case of, of being an epileptic and as a result mimicking the signs of demonic possession. Um, this is where the medical comes in. This is where CAT scans come in. This is where our medical staff would require um, medical reports of the person's condition. We have to rule everything out. We have to, like, rule it out uh, one layer at a time, make sure that what we're dealing with is the real article. If it's not, if we should make a mistake, and I have to emphasize this uh, over and over again, if we should happen to make a mistake, it could cost that person's life. 
And that's why this is so serious. We cannot run out and do a ritual at the drop of a hat. It doesn't work that way. And any organization that does that way, they're, they're putting themselves at risk, and the people that they're trying to help are being pushed at risk. That's why there's a certain systematic way of doing things. And when we're dealing with a human life, uh, and, and the condition of the human condition, we have to make sure that we address it as so. We have to make sure that what we're dealing with is genuine. There's so many people um, in our world that may be um, oppressed by other things, outside things that may be outside the norm, but may not be demonic. And as a result, we there's a very fine line, and we have to um, examine that fine line. We have to make sure that what we're dealing with is something that's genuine and something that we could take care of. Because, as I said, if we make a mistake, it could be fatal. And we would be held liable, too. So it's, <laughs> that's another issue. Well, yeah. Well, you want to just be sure of what you're doing. And I had a horrible thought that I've just never ha- thought of before. But what if, you know, there's always an indica- indicated patient, right? There's always somebody that seems to be the problem. But what if it's multiple people that have a problem? Let's say that they they are possessed. There more than one person in the room is. Okay, I'm trying to understand the question. Um, what well, if okay. a person there's is possessed like inf- with multiple? It seems like there's. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's like like um, when you go and there's a person that seems to be having a problem. Yes. Would there be a Okay, so then they have family members. Could there be within that family living in that house more than one person that has a possession problem? You know, anything when you're dealing with the demonic, anything is possible. I will say this. One person in the household that may demonstrate symptoms of demonic possession, believe me, and take my word, this is true, every person in that household has been affected because of the experience. They may not be possessed, and they may not demonstrate uh, signs of possession, but they will demonstrate mental anguish. They will demonstrate uh, a form of depression. They will see uh, just based, and and this is not just empathy. We're talking about uh, your relative, somebody you love. You see them going and being tormented. You're seeing them being tortured from the inside out. And as a result, you know, your heart is breaking and your, your nerves are at the edge. And as a result, the residual effect, even after the ritual, even after the person, God willing, even after the person is delivered from the demonic, okay, still a residual that stays within the household. Every member has to understand that they have to deal with what they've just witnessed. Now, this is a this is a, a not a traumatic experience. This is a, a life a life changing experience because your whole perception changes once you see the demonic as it being a real entity and as it's tearing apart the person you love after you see that firsthand you know for a fact that this is real and your whole belief system changes it escalates to a point of belief where now you believe that there is the demonic there are demons now you start believing that there's a god now you start believing that there are angels. Everything that you have said and perhaps acknowledged, at least in a certain plane, you accepted as it being true. Now you could truly say that you had a personal experience and you believe beyond shadow of a doubt that it is real. And as a result, everything that you do in your life after that point 
will be totally changed because you become a different person because of the experience. Yes. Um, w- once the the during these exorcisms, have you ever uh, been physically hurt yourself or seen uh, things that we've seen like levitations or? Uh, other manifestations, I, I guess, an attempt to scare people away, or? Well, okay, I, I'm going to tell you a story, and um, I've I've published this story as well um, um, about a year ago or so. This happened two years ago. I was involved in the ritual of exorcism, and in the middle of a prayer, um, I was struck on the side with what appeared to be an invisible two-by-four, a very thick stick on the side, my left side of my body. The the, the penetration was so uh, intense that it took my breath away. Uh, I was struck not once but three times, and like bam, bam, and bam, I keeled over. In the meantime, I have a team of eight people around me. I'm in the center. Of, of, of what's happening, and these people are all around me, and they're witnessing what is, has taken place. Once again, once you witness this firsthand, your whole thought process begins to change, and then you start thinking about, you know, what if, and all the possibilities that have come to light. Um, what happened after the ritual, um, I went home, and I had a shortness of breath. I couldn't catch my breath for Oh, at least a couple of days. I went to my family physician. Uh, he suggested x-rays. Um, I went to the hospital. I had x-rays taken. Um, the outcome of the x-rays was um, that they see they, they saw a sack of blood with two liters of blood in the sack, which was around my heart, as a result of the three blows that I received through this ritual. I was admitted to the hospital immediately. I was in intensive care for 30 days. In that time, I had three operations. The doctors to this day have no idea what led me to that particular condition. They've just never seen anything like it before. And as a result, um, I almost died. I, as I said, I was in critical for some time in intensive care. Um, and I had these tubes coming out of my chest. It's funny. I'm, I'm active on, as you know, on Facebook. And all yes. the people that, that have known me, like it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, they uh, they knew I was in the hospital. And I was getting all these wonderful get well cards. People were calling me from the hospital, uh, calling the hospital to me. And I was talking to, to all my Facebook friends. And I felt so good. It's something special about Facebook. You know, you, you become, you know, knitted like a family. And it was really mm-hmm. a great I had a great experience. But anyway, um, getting back to, to this real scenario, this has happened to me. Um, this is one of the worst experiences I've ever had because it almost led to my death. Um, very real scenario. And, um, and of course, I, I will tell you that, yes, there's a tremendous amount of danger involved, not only for the clergy that are actually directly involved doing the ritual, but the people that are around. Um, while this was happening the same day, and just before I was struck, uh, I was in the center of the circle. Or one of the lead investigators was outside the circle, and his wrist, from his wrist to his forearm, just simply ripped open, and he started bleeding from his full forearm. And the intent, it was just so intense in the room that everyone felt it. 
And this happened, and he was shocked because he saw the blood coming down his arm. When he left the house and he showed all of us, uh, it's funny because it's like almost immediately it stopped bleeding, and there was like no trace after like 48 hours. It seemed like it wasn't even there. Uh, it was kind of like one of those supernatural things, if you will. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. When you deal when you deal with the supernatural, when you're dealing with things that are quote unquote paranormal. Um, and you're doing and working within the real, if you will, um, things happen. And when you try to explain, articulate any of your experiences to any of your colleagues who have never had the experience, they look at you funny and say, well, gee, is he exaggerating or is this for real? But I will tell you, you can ask uh, many of our members who are on Facebook uh, in the order of exorcists, you can ask them who have been involved in these cases if it's real, and they will attest to the fact that the demonic is real. They could touch touch you, they could attack you. Of course, their their main form of attack is always demonic oppression, and the entry point of that is where a demonic will infix themselves into an, one individual in the household, and as a result, um, the attack is formed uh, and approached by a mental. Uh, state, if you will. The point of entry is the mind. And as a result, the demonic can get very much involved um, in a in terms of a mild to severe harassment. And this is normally caused by someone who has participated and perhaps either uh, unconsciously or consciously opened the doors to some form of demonic influence. Once that happens, demonic has its roam with you and within your immediate space. Demonic um, infestation could occur when this happens, um, and, and it could have happened even before you moved into the house. You know, if you moved it, and I always make this suggestion, when you move into a new house, have the house blessed. Make sure you, you just go yeah. through the, the process and the have it blessed time. before you even move in. Just as a yeah. precaution. I see that. Immediately, so I'm very pleasantly happy where I am. I, I have lived in haunted houses before, and uh, none of it was too out of hand. But uh, you know, this is this one. It's been so calm and safe, and it's it's fine. But I do know that um, uh, what I, what I was queuing into, you were also saying something about oppression. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. Well. As I said, oppression is um, it's a mild to severe harassment by a demonic that has focused its attention on you because of some of the actions you may have been involved with. Um, and whether it's conscious or, or, or unconscious, you've opened up certain doors to the demonic influence. And as a result, okay, it's open territory. The demonic sees you. In fact, we're being observed even as we speak now. That the, the spiritual world. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> but but, but oh, you um, knew I knew. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes a lot of us forget about how real it truly is, um, and it truly is. Uh, so the things that we do and the actions that we that we partake, there's always consequences that uh, that need to be addressed. Um, as a, um, if you're a paranormal investigator, I suggest you have a good relationship with God. I suggest you memorize the St. Michael's Prayer. 
I suggest that you have you and your team members group together and pray outside the premises before entering a place to actually do a paranormal investigation. I would suggest that everyone be on the same page when it comes to this scenario because you have no idea, even in a paranormal investigation, you have no idea what you're going to encounter because um, you might go, you might do maybe 50, 100 uh, paranormal investigations and never run uh, across a demonic entity or have any traces of some kind of um, demonic infestation where you actually witness the physical manifestations that have been done by the demonic. Um, you know, this may not happen, you know, the first time you're out. It may not happen the, the, the 50th time you're out. But one day, as you continue to do uh, your paranormal investigation, one day you will run across um, something that might be viewed as something very dangerous, very evil, and very demonic. And when that happens, you have to be prepared. You have to make sure that you've already done your diligence in terms of keeping yourself protected. It's very, very important. And there's two ways to view this. You can either believe it or not. People who don't believe it, who are truly skeptics, that's fine. But understand, okay, if you're thrown off a ship and you're in the middle of the ocean and you have a choice to either use a life jacket or not, I think it would be it would behoove anyone not to. You want to use that life jacket. And that life jacket I'm referring to is a spiritual protection that person could, should have before entering the deep waters of the demonic. And unfortunately, we're all around um, this territory. We're in a battle. We're, we're drifting on a battlefield. And each of us, each of us is open to be attacked, to be a target, and to be hurt, uh, and, and, and even worse. And as a result, um, we have to be mindful of these things and understand that they truly do exist. They do exist, and uh, to to get a reminder, I'm, I'm uh, I this this happened to me about three four months ago. This is a voice I heard just before I woke up, and it said, you know, we're dealing with things that we can't see with principalities. It said the whole thing, uh, the whole Bible verses that I can't remember right now, but I knew it before I woke up. And it was a reminder that you're dealing with things that you can't necessarily see, but usually we can feel. We can't be able to see it, or you not be able to see it. Yeah, you're thinking of what Ephesians the, 6, what probably verse 12. Talking about? Yes. I'm sorry? Could you, could you, do you know that verse I'm looking for? Yes, yes, I, I was just saying, it's, it's Ephesians 6, and yes, uh, you're actually uh, quoting... You're actually quoting, uh, putting on the whole armor of God, um, and uh, and if you drop down to verse 11, I believe it says something like, uh, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." I bet you that's pretty close. <laughs> it's powerful, <laughs> and that is it. Yeah, that's close. That's, that's it. And uh, it was so powerful that uh, I've had a couple incidences where I have been sleeping and something was going on and I was being protected anyway. Even before I woke up, I'd be aware, okay, something is there, and then I would have something else standing right next to it helping me. It's it's interesting. When you're um, at night, when you're lying in bed, um, mm-hmm. certain things can take place. 
first of all, your defenses are down because you are basically uh, uh, not awake. <laughs> uh, yeah. As a result, um, sometimes your other senses will kick in and you will sense other things around. You might even sense the bed moving. You might even sense um, perhaps some form of motion or, or some kind of pressure among your body. I mean, this can also take place. Um, the reason being is, we're, you know, the, the the spiritual world is all around us. Um, it, it's not so much that 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 they are living in our world, but rather we're living in theirs. <laughs> so they have full roam. Um, and so, yes, I, I could I could relate to what you're saying. You know, it's very important to be to be yeah, prepared. Yeah, things going on. That's why it's good to practice, uh, have spiritual practice and prayer and. Protect yourself at all times because there's things going on that you don't know about, but inside you know. You know, I yeah, think you know, there's. I... Oh, you know something, but sometimes you can't put your finger on it. But I would heed that small voice. A lot of people are ignoring yeah. it. Oh no! That don't don't ever ignore that inner voice of yours. <laughs> there is an inner voice. That's right. That's what I tell Never. people all the time in my counseling. I say. You know, what you've been doing is ignoring that voice because you know right from wrong. You know what the right thing to do is. But you're, you know, stamping out the small voice. It's very truthful. You know, it's my it's my belief system that that inner voice you were talking about is part mm-hmm. of our defense mechanism. Okay, you know, we have a defense mechanism in our body. And uh, pain is also a, a warning uh, to our to our nervous system as to something is, has gone awry, and as a result, there's danger. Uh, so pain can be a very good thing. But when you hear that voice, I think it's all part of that defensive system, and it, it helps you to preserve yourself in regards to life, which is extremely important, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, um, but now that I think of it, you wanted to, you wanted to talk about this this Charlie Charlie challenge. And yeah, if you like, there's I can talk a, about that. Yeah, there's a, another thing that I see. I consider it a Ouija board. And oh, could could we get a phone call first because we have somebody here oh, sure. to my stuff. Okay, and can you call please? And if you give me your uh, your area code, we could get you on here. She'll call in a second, and um, it's a. Uh, you know, very, and then I have Ed Becker on here. He's going to come on too a little later. And uh, anyway, Ann wants to call in with a question, and uh, I'm trying to call. I don't know if she can see. So, uh, you know, there's a, a reason that we have these these uh, instincts, I feel like, because it actually protects you. It's like babies and, and animals. They know when somebody's bad, they won't go near them. You know, they just, they avoid it. An animal will avoid somebody or growl when they walk near. I mean, it's just, I think that there's something to that. And I think that we rationalize away what's real. Well, you know what I say? I say when that happens, you know, when something warns you, um, I think it's your guiding angel. I believe each of us has a guiding angel. And that guiding angel steps in. A guiding angel steps in and and it whispers in your ear that perhaps maybe you should not go that direction, or maybe exactly. you should not do this or do that. So I believe that's where your guardian angel is interacting with you, and that's my 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 belief system anyway. I do. I believe the same thing. Okay, uh, I see an uh, area code eight four five. You're on the air live. Uh, do you have a question for Ron? 
Hello there. Um, yes, hello. I just want to say thank you for coming on this show. And, of course, to thank Char for uh, her work. Um, this um, What led me to this program and to knowing Char McCain is actually me personally trying to figure out why so many things had been happening to me throughout most of my adult life. And um, so, Archbishop, I want to thank you because I, I finally figured it out um, that I guess I have been the object of a demonic oppression. Um, I have had experiences for at least 35 years, and uh, they still continue. I still get dreams um, where I wake up in a start, and, you know, I've experienced the waking up paralyzed, Mm. Um, unable to move, objects, yeah, objects disappearing. I mean, my marriage was destroyed. Mm. Uh, I had extraordinary anxiety, Mm. Um, extraordinary anxiety. Gosh, what else? I mean, I can't, it's just too numerous to say. And then I, I've, I've gone to, I'd gone to priests, but priests would ask me what was happening. And then I finally had to turn to a psychic medium that I knew was very, uh, very well respected, not just, you know, somebody who claims to be a psychic medium, but somebody who actually worked with demonic entities many times. And um, you know, I'm I'm finally at a point where I can really, you know, know know what's happening to me because I really never knew for a good 35 years. Um, well, you know, you want to know something that comes to mind, uh, and after hearing you, uh, first of all, all your experiences, everything that you've experienced to this point, and now mm-hmm. you finally realize. Um, and have a clarity of your whole situation, that, my dear, is a blessing. Uh, You have the ability to understand what you went through. You can rationalize it, and now you can get a full grip as to to what your situation is. And maybe it's Mm -hmm. taken you, say, 30 years, 35 years, whatever, whatever period of time, you've finally made it. You've finally come to that plateau where you could actually see where you're at. And that's a good right. thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Because yes, you got your yeah, power. I, you get your power back and let the, the positive forces, uh, uh, you know, take care of you and your guardian angel and all that is uh, very important. So that's why I, I have yeah, a little the, prayer altar. Yeah, a very busy fellow. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's, he's is, a very he's busy fellow, or she is a very busy girl, because <laughs> anyway, okay, my guardian angel. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, somebody had me, I do a little art on the side sometimes, and uh, not lately though, mm-hmm. and somebody had me uh, do like a guardian angel, and uh, don't drive, drive faster than your guardian angel can fly, but uh, some of us are posting pictures of guardian angels like uh, with their head and their hand, like, oh, my God, what is she doing now? But I, I think the ones that 
that we can count on is somebody like Michael who would come in and take care of the whole thing. And because I think freedom and living in love and peace is what we're born for, you know, and eventually we go back yeah. to our God who created us in the first place. And I don't feel that it's uh, right that we're under this oppression, but in many ways, and some of it's real subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Archbishop, I just wanted to ask you, um, for those of us who, you know, are more in contact with that side of our faith, I, I'm a very, very devout Roman Catholic. I've been a um, a cantor. I actually cantored at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Um, you know, I've been I've been working for my faith and for my Lord my entire life. And uh, for those of us who, you know, we, I interact with children. Uh, I'm a public school teacher, and and you know, I'll I will say some days that there are children that are touched by this um, in in very negative ways. And like when they come in my classroom, um, sometimes they get overly agitated. Is 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 that something that am I just fantasizing about this or is there anything that I can do in a in a very um careful way uh to help these children or to just protect my room or or do something like that all of the above you should do you know pray that um pray that you'll continue to do what you're doing because what you're doing is you're showing not only empathy but you're showing mm-hmm. warm love for each of your children in your classroom. Mm-hmm. They really are your children. When they step in your classroom, they become your children. And as a result, your responsibility is not only to teach them, but to, but to protect them. So right. you have a very important job, a very, very important job. And never um, never doubt your your intuition. What you truly feel in your heart is probably what the case happens to be. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Char. Thank you, Archbishop. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Well, um, that's wonderful to hear that because I didn't know that part of Anne. But um, it's uh, you know something that to me that we have to persevere in. I do. I I study the Bible every Sunday which has helped uh, ground me, even if I'm tired, even if, you know, whatever, even if I'm sick, I'm still doing it. And it's worked out great because uh, it comes alive when you when you read it and study and it puts you in a better protective mode. That's what I feel. Yeah, that's uh, having God as part of your, of your very life uh, makes things a lot more tolerable in a world full of imperfections. Sometimes you build up more tolerance to uh, people that may annoy you. <laughs> Sometimes you could <laughs> laugh with them instead of criticize them. Sometimes you could love instead of hate. Um, all these things are all the characteristics that Christ has taught us. And so your relationship with God on an everyday basis, I might add, um, not only is it a wise and, and smart thing to do, <clears throat> but I also think that it's it's investment. You're in making an investment. Understand, you're not living the human experience. You are the spiritual experience of your very being. And keeping that in mind, when you have the maker, that is God himself, 
when he is part of everything you do, things seem to go by just a little bit more enjoyable. That's true. And then uh, you, you're grateful for the small things of life, and uh, you're not always wanting to grab more and more. You just start being grateful, and you really want less material and more spiritual. You know, and that really frees you up just to enjoy each day. That's right. That's right. I mean, there's so many things that we take for granted. There are so mm-hmm. many things that we're oblivious to when it comes to just our, the simple things that we have, uh, the simple things that are part of us. You know, each of these things are a blessing. Each of these things were given to us as a gift. Now, unfortunately, you know, the demonic is part of our world. But in order to have all the wonderful, beautiful things in the world, we also have to have the coexistence of evil, ugliness, all the things that are just contrary to what we know as good. So the good versus evil will always be part of our world. It's part of our very existence. It's a scenario that has to be in place in order for one to recognize the other. If you didn't have evil, you would not know what good was. And if you didn't have good, you had no idea what evil would be. And you'd get in all kinds of trouble. The two have to coexist. And as a result, we have to learn to not only live in this world, but live with each other and make it the very best we can. You know, life is so short on this planet. We have to really make it our best bet, our, our best effort to, to get along with one another. It's extremely important. Yeah. Um, did you recover fully from uh, the incident you had when you were hurt uh, during that uh, exorcism? Okay, I'm going to have to have you repeat that. I have to tell you that, was, that when I had this exorcism that, that occurred, it almost took my life. Um, yes, the demonic was victorious, was very victorious in one stand, because when I was in the hospital, they had no idea what my condition was, so they experimented. They gave me 60 different types of medication. I had to, and I was instructed to take each medication, 60 different types of medication every single day for the next six months, which I did. And if you know anything about taking medications, there's always side effects. Well, I will say that the demonic was very successful and did get his victory, at least very small victory, because he took away my hearing. I have only about 40% hearing left. And it's as a result, and the medication, the side effects of the 60 medications that I had to take every day. So as a result, I've lost my hearing. So in one real sense, um, the demonic did win a small victory. However, I'm still working, and I'm still doing my thing, even with this condition. Every day I feel muscular problems. I I have so much pain, physical pain that I go through every single day as a result of that last major exorcism which I was involved in, which almost took my life. My body wow. is sore. I could barely um, walk any real length, long length of, of, of distance anymore. Um, I'm constantly in pain. My hearing is just about gone. But you know one thing I have? I have God's joy. And you know what? You might think I'm crazy, but I am so blessed and I am so thankful for being where I'm at in my particular, you know, I'm not a, a young guy anymore. I'm kind of, I'm kind of up there in years. But I have to tell you that all the things I've experienced, all the miracles I have witnessed, all the people that I have seen come and been and be healed 
from, from dread sickness to becoming extremely well. And I was part and witness this, this very thing. I am the person, I am the witness to these miracles. I know they happen. And as a result, I have this joy, this deep-seated yes. joy in life that even though I'm in physical pain, even though I could barely hear, um, I'm still functioning and I'm still doing my thing. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure so this I is have part to ask you to repeat your uh, question because good. I didn't quite hear you. Okay. No, that was it. You answered it. You, that's what oh. I was asking about. I was wondering how you were and that it seems like a lot of people are doing very good work, have a lot of physical issues. You know, uh, you, I guess you get tired and run down too, uh, just and, and attacks and things like that. But we have a, another uh, friend on the a line. I think this would be a good time to talk about the Charlie Charlie thing with him. I'm going to, Ed's coming on. Okay, hold on a minute. This is uh, Edwin Becker, author. And he's uh, live on the line with Paranormal Sacred. Welcome, Ed. Hello, Shar. Hello, Archbishop. How are you, Ed? I'm pretty good. I'm, you know, above ground. Uh, That's good. (laughs) 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 I thank God for for every day. Uh, Every day is a good day. Now, Edwin Becker, for those uh, that aren't watching the show, because I've had them on, uh, Ed and his wife uh, did live in an extremely uh, uh, haunted place that had a lot of possession going on and uh, things like that. And it was spiritual warfare for you guys. But since then, you guys have overcome a lot and written books about this. And also, Marcia makes these awesome uh, rosaries and things like that. So... You're very much into combating evil with good. Yeah, let me just say these guys, uh, Edward and, and Marsha, they are really blessed people. I, I have to tell you this. I know that they have gone through hell. They have seen the demonic. They have witnessed the evil presence. Um, Edwin is a talented writer and author, and as a result. Um, his books are, are very well articulated and illustrated in such a fashion that you really get a good sense of what's being said. And you could tell that he actually went through the dark shadows or the the low uh, valleys of the shadows of death. You could actually feel it and sense it as you read from his books. Um, and I'm very blessed to have him as a friend. <laughs> Yay. Ed, do you have comments about this? So we're going to talk about the Charlie Charlie situation. Ed, you may have lost. May he? I still see him on, but he may have lost him. Um, I certainly I hope I didn't him. put him to sleep. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, sometimes this thing has an issue. I keep getting a note that uh, there's an audio file issue. Anyway, uh, everybody clear out their cash and uh get rid of the cookies and anything. Yeah, he's dropped, so he'll call back in and we'll get him in. And uh, why don't you talk to us about this situation? To me, it's just another form of Ouija board, but this one's called Charlie Charlie. Well, yeah, I, I did some a little research on it, uh, this past week. It's interesting. There's uh, different sources talk about the various ways that this first originated, this Charlie Charlie game or pencil game. 
Um, apparently, there. I even went to one website that stated that Charlie Charlie was a Mexican demon. Um, I read that and I kind of chuckled to myself. Um, I I hate to break anyone's bubble, Did but there is no Mexican such thing. <laughs> That's Mexican what it said. Demon? It was a Mexican demon. <laughs> and so I think Mexican demon. First of all, demons don't come from Mexico. Okay. In fact, they don't come from. They don't come from anywhere from, they don't come from Europe. They They were angels and they were fallen angels. They accompanied Lucifer as they fell from heaven. And these are the demons we have today. They're not from Mexico. So, (laughs) so you have to kind of rule that out. Okay. There are no such thing as demonic uh, demons. Then I read another uh, interesting heading, which stated that, that the, um, the actual spirit is a spirit of a child that had passed on, and as a result, the spirit keeps coming back when you call Charlie, Charlie, uh, you know, can I play or whatever. You know, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's not the game. It's not the Ouija board. It's not the Charlie, Charlie challenge game. What it is, it's the intent. What is the intent behind the words? Understand, the Charlie Charlie Challenge pencil game is just a piece of paper and two pencils. And uh, and then, you know, across the, the cross and the, the nose and the yes on each side, it's just a very cheap uh, piece of paper, okay? And, I, and I'm, it's my understanding, and I read another article, that, that this game has been around for a very long time practicing in the uh, Latin communities, which... I thought that was kind of interesting. It was very similar to the Ouija board. But the point I'm trying to make is it's not the game. It's the intent. It's when you go out of your way to address a demonic. The demonic will hear you, and you will invite that demonic into your space by communicating with it. Um, That is the most important thing that I could say about this whole silly Charlie Charlie challenge. It's not the game. What it is, it's your intent, and when you play the game. I've seen so many of the YouTube videos, uh, all these kids playing the game, a lot of profanity, um, a lot of, you know, screaming, hollering, and all this, you know, very childish things that are taking place. Um, I have to tell you, I even received um, a message from one of our archbishops um, telling me that we're in a big, big trouble because now um, people, kids all over the world are opening up Demonic portals. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's not the, the the game itself. It's the intent. It's what you are trying to get accomplished. And if you use this piece of paper, or if you use this board, which we know as a Ouija board, well, the odds are you're going to be successful in contacting someone from the other side, demonic as it as it would be. And so you you know you yes, have to put the a- yeah, this is. I'm getting Ed and Marsha. Are you on there too? Yeah, we're both here. I, okay, I, I've got okay. a. Uh, you know, when I hear of we, I a lot of people email me and they ask me various questions about these things, and I just so agree with what you said because whether it's a crystal ball, or a candle, or some pencils, it's your intent and and you're opening up a door and uh, the the thing I get. Uh, it's it's humorous, but it's tragic. Uh, there is an author out there, Shari, you may run into her, that basically wrote a book and uses the Ouija board. She thinks it's like a cell phone. And, oh, yeah. uh, 
and she tells you how to clean it and wrap it and store it and close it. And I hope I'm never on a program with her because uh, when you open up that that space, I kind of picture it like a prison cell phone that if the warden said, hey, here's a free phone call and threw it out in the yard, okay, the guy who's going to get that first call is going to be the biggest, baddest guy of all. And that's what you're inviting in. Now, he may tell you he's your Uncle Charlie or your Aunt Mary, but he's going to give you whatever you want to hear that's going to allow you to continue to play and to invite him in and to talk some more and to dominate you. And uh, just a very, very dangerous tool, the the Ouija board or or the Charlie Charlie. I agree with that. I kind of got cut off, and and, uh, I interviewed the Archbishop, and... I, you know, I obviously, uh, my wife and, and uh, interviewed her on the Angel Show, and it was just wonderful. Uh, but what happened was a few months later, one of my readers contacted me. Now, she's got nothing to do with Facebook, and she's not in the paranormal world, but her mother had bought this historic house on the East Coast. And she wrote me because uh, she loved the book. She she realized it was kind of, you know, it was more realistic than Hollywood. Um, she said what, what's happening with her mother is on the second floor of this house. Once it, Especially when it turns dark, her mother's hearing knockings, growling, noises, talking. Uh, it's scaring, literally scaring the heck out of her. She said, what can I do? Well, I wasn't familiar with the Archbishop, actually, other than the interview, and I must know at least 20 people who claim to have uh, demonology certificates. You know, uh, some of them I call dime store exorcists or dime store demonologists. But I had Cindy call the Archbishop and his organization. And uh, I believed in him at that point. I, I You only have to speak to Archbishop Ron once, and you know he's for real if you, if you know oh, anything yeah. at all about Okay, so I knew he was for real. I, I hoped. Well, Cindy contacted their organization, and and that was it for about, I don't know, two or three weeks. And then I got an email, and it was nothing but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, the Archbishop from the West Coast contacted a qualified person on the East Coast. That person went to the the mother's house. I guess they must have qualified her over the phone or whatever. Uh, They went to the house. They did whatever ritual was necessary. The house was cleansed. But what I thought was just so incredible was the person who did it, because she was an older woman who lived there, stayed the night, slept on the couch to make sure everything was peaceful and quiet. And they didn't leave until that old woman said, I'm no longer afraid. Oh. That's what the organization is about. I mean, Marcia's on the line, and, and she ran an auction for the Archbishop, and uh, we would just support that any time. Uh, his service, no one can hold a candle to it. No one compares to it, uh, you know, because you'll hear these people say, well, I'll travel to do an exorcism. Uh I just know that his arms are very long, and they reach all the way to Europe, and uh, they do help people. 
So, uh, and Marsha, you're on. Thank you, Ed. Yes. I'm here. Hi. Hi, Marsha. Hello, hello. Now, Marsha, she has made, um, well, little by little, I'm going to have one in the hands of my whole family, but I have uh, (laughs) her her, her rosary. Because believe me, they need it. (laughs) They need it. (laughs) And I have one at my work, at my desk at work, and that's where I keep my St. Francis icon because, you know, we have to bless everybody, and uh, what I do can be difficult. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of negativity that goes along with it, but there's a lot of overcoming that goes along with it. Anyway, Marsha, I appreciate your blessed uh, the. the crosses, the rosaries, the chaplets, the whole thing. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm happy to do it. It's a little something I think I can do to try to help people. And, yeah, you know, I'm very grateful that I'm allowed to do that. So it's really a blessing for me. So yes. <laughs> I, I love it, and I, I love when people get a little comfort and um, you know, sometimes people just need that little extra help. That's right, and, and it's working. Believe me. And uh, I'd like to whoop. go ahead. Go ahead. I'd I'd like to know from the Archbishop how he feels about uh, all these people now that all of a sudden it seems like every paranormal investigation team has to have their leader uh, become a certified demonologist <laughs> and you know i mean i i think they're insane uh, i mean i i been there did that i i know what the paranormal can do to you and uh you know they go out hunting for it and now they think they're going to go out and hunt demons or they're going to walk into situations where uh there is that heavy presence what is your feelings on that you know, I have uh, some really uh, very concerned feelings about this area because uh, there are so many people out there that are claiming to be something they're not. And when they claim to be something they're not, then that means that who really feels the bulk of their activity would be the people they're trying to help, which means that the people they're trying to help uh, instead of helping them honestly, uh, they're, they're throwing them deeper and deeper into their particular situation, which is probably yes. very, very, uh, you know, um, dark and, and terrible. Um, so my feeling about these people, um, I have, uh, as you probably know, I have requests from paranormal investigators that come to me wanting to join our order. And I have a screening process. And uh, and then they their question is, well, do you teach us genealogy? Do you teach us? Uh, no, we don't do that. I, I make it very clear. What we teach is the process of demonic investigation and assessment. We look for facts. We look for evidence. And we teach the, the techniques in this. In regards to your knowledge of the demonic, um, that's not going to be very helpful to somebody who might be suffering from um, some form of, of demonic attack. Um, now, again, 
you know, I'm, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be very upset about what I've just said, but I'm, I'm going to tell you now that uh, we do not teach that. We only teach our process of demonic investigation and assessment, and it has nothing to do with your extensive knowledge in demons because, quite frankly, um, that kind of subject should be left to the clergy. Again, I know I make a lot of enemies by saying that. Sorry. <laughs> but um, it's just my feeling. Well, I agree with you. So <laughs> it, it makes sense. Well, it, it's a, it, you know, people don't realize how dangerous it is. I have a uh, an exorcism manual from 1946, and I, I don't know how much it's been revised or whatever, but the notes in there, yeah, at one point it says that it recommends that the exorcist himself is of a more mature age. Now, People can read that and they can say, oh, you know, it, maybe it's because of experience. I didn't think so. The way it was stated in the 1946, it recommended it, I believe, because of the danger of death. I don't think they wanted a young man to risk what might be a whole life ahead of him uh, in a dangerous situation. So they were actually recommending elders to do the exorcisms because I guess, you know, if their life ended, they at least had lived some time. Very, very dangerous situation, and uh, when I hear people taking it lightly or that, you know, we're going to go demon hunting, I just shake my head in, in, uh, in awe, you know. I guess they say, you know, 3-4% of our population are morons. They're pretty cro- close to that, I guess. <laughs> and sorry to, say, sorry to say, a lot of them are in the paranormal, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say that. I didn't say that, okay? I'm just saying that, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Um, I, you know, as I said, I was doing some research on this Charlie Charlie uh, scenario, and I was uh. watching these videos from the YouTube, and these are all kids screaming and hollering. Uh, one one kid said something on, uh, if you're there, Charlie, um, uh, my question to you is, do you love us? And I went, whoa, they're asking yeah, wow. a demon if they if they if the demon loves them, and then they were asking silly questions um um is uh is is clearly <coughs> excuse me is is uh is um what is it um Hillary Clinton is she going to be president and then of course the pencil went you know and it said yes or no i mean those crazy silly questions um sure it's the same mentality that I see when I see a paranormal investigator walk into a room with a device in his hand and yells out. I challenge you, demon, if you're here, make yourself known. And to me, that's the same mentality as these kids playing with this stupid game and asking these stupid questions. Okay, and, and, and so that's how I feel about the whole scenario. Uh, people who feel they're experts and they have deep, uh, a deep-seated knowledge in the demonic, um, believe me, you wouldn't be out there uh, uh, throwing it around and telling people how wonderful and great and knowledgeable you are in the subject. You know, what you do is um, actions speak louder than words. You don't have to say anything. Do something. If you know it, you have a, a deep-seated knowledge of something, help people. Don't tell them how great you are. Don't tell them about all your credentials. Don't, you know, I mean, it's just totally unnecessary because as the scripture says, they have already received their payment in full. It's what you do that, that people don't know about. And, and and when you do that, you're truly blessed. Anyway, that's my whole feeling on it, Ed. 
Thank you, Archbishop. I, 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 when I got disconnected before, I was going to tell a cute little story of how I interviewed you, and I, I called you Archbishop, of course, and uh, I'll never call you anything less than that. Um, but I have a fan base in Ireland, and uh, they they weren't listening to the show because of the time difference, uh, but they download. Well, they downloaded the show, and about three days later, I started getting emails. And uh, it was like, how dare you call him Archbishop? You call him Your Excellency. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, mean, oh, I called him Ron. So what are we supposed to be calling you? Uh, if call you're Catholic, your you should... You actually should call him Your Excellency for for Bishop or Archbishop. Or believe me, the, the Irish leprechauns are going to descend on you. <laughs> From my Irish friend, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you you don't get any any more uh, uh, rigid than an Irish Catholic. Uh, I can tell you that. Okay. Um. Well, I don't. Well, how does it reach with uh, Greek Orthodox? What do you think about that? I'm sorry. I what about the Greek Orthodox? I don't know many of them. I uh, I, I like their food. <laughs> He's funny. Very funny. Oh. Hey. Uh, I know. Uh, I don't want to say. I don't want to say. Now I'm nervous. I've been calling Father Ron and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, could you please tell us what you know of other orders that uh, now? I know the Greek Orthodox uh, does believe in this thing, but I really um, haven't heard of this being like outed at the church or anything. Well, let me put it this way: in, in, in many denominations, there are um, there are practices in um, in rituals of exorcism. Um, in our organization, you know, we have an open jurisdiction where uh, where a bishop can come to us, whether he is a Greek Orthodox, a Russian Orthodox, an Anglican bishop, an Old Roman, or or a traditional Roman Catholic bishop. They, they could they could join our order. And share our ministry of exorcism. At this time, we have two um, have two Russian Orthodox uh, bishops who are part of our organization, and we have uh, quite a few Wonderful. Anglican bishops. Quite a few Anglican bishops that are part of our organization. Uh, we have a few uh, traditional uh, Roman Catholic, uh, um, old Catholic uh, bishops. Um, we all share this ministry because we're all on the same side. There are two sides. You see, there's them and that there's us. You see, I like to think that I'm part of the us. The them part would be the demonic. Uh, they would be the, the, the evil demonic entities that roam the earth for the runes of souls. And this is what they do. This is their nature. This is all they do. We are at war. And since we are at war, this is what we do. We are fighting this war, and it's a, it's, it's a just war because we are fighting in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And based on that, we believe that uh, we will always fight uh, and will always fight in the light. Uh, and the darkness will never overcome us because uh, we are blessed by God. And as a result, um, our organization 
uh, is available to anyone at no cost. We will never charge you a a dime or penny or anything. It's uh, we're a a legal nonprofit 501c3 organization. Um, We don't seek funding. Uh, Very rare do we get actual any support or any donations because we don't seek it. Anyone who donates any money to us, it's a blessing. And they're blessed as well. But but we don't ask because um, we're not about that. We're about following our commission, following what we're called to do, and that is to be in the service of God and to help anyone who has any problems in the area of demonics. Uh, anyone who needs us, uh, we are available. We're in 24 countries right now uh, and wow. 17, 17 U.S. states. So, um, But we still need... We still need clergy. We still need experienced lead uh, investigators to join our organization, and it's always open to anyone who wants to join the battle, join the fight, and and become part of our order. So that's an open. How did they? How did how did they do that though? Let's talk about Catholic priests for a second, because in 1970, um, when our house was focused on, uh, our psychic Joseph D. Louise, the late psychic Joseph D. Louise called upon a Catholic priest who had a radio show in Chicago named Father Joe Wood. And uh, because he was a Catholic priest, he and Joe wanted urgency, Joseph DeLuise, uh Father Joe Wood said he couldn't do it. He said the, the Catholic protocol was such that he said it would take him months, if that, to be able to participate. So it wound up being an Anglican priest that came to our house, and that's in my book. Uh, what happens, you know, and maybe I'm hitting on a touchy subject, but what happens to a Catholic priest who may have the calling, who wants to reach out and help, but he's part of a parish? How does he, I know he freely can't just walk out and do an exorcism, or else there might well, there's be a penalty involved. First, it, it really depends largely on the jurisdiction. The bishop has to appoint one of his priests as the diocese exorcist. He has to be appointed. Um, and if he has an interest in that subject, uh, in specializing in, um, in the ministry of exorcism, then he has to approach his bishop and he has to ask him and, uh, and get his, uh, the blessing of his bishop. The bishop would be the one to appoint uh, the priest in that parish. Now, now we're part of a traditional old Roman Catholic order, so uh, we're not subject to a lot of the regulations that may be and that are still being in place in the Vatican. But we're able to be autonomous in what we do and how we do it. I have been appointed by three archbishops about 37 years ago. <laughs> like, oh, wow. You know, around the, around yeah. the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, and as a result, um, I was trained by three experienced exorcists who were my bishops. And wow. I was training for many years before I even uh, did my first solo um, um, exorcism. That is where I was the first priest. I was always the first priest or second priest assisting the exorcist. I was never the exorcist until many years later. I, it really gets me when when I see um, these mail order uh, ministers, they, um, they uh, get their credentials and they buy their titles as an exorcist and uh, as a result, you know, it's boom, they're, they're immediately an ordained exorcist. 
And I, I, it's, it just boggles the mind. It took me several years to even get to that status. And even then, I had to be supported by my peers. I had to be elected to every office in the church you're, you're elected. And I had to be elected to that particular office. I excelled in that in the ministry of exorcism. As a result, I became the leader and the head back in 1981. So I was able to uh, continue to uh, cultivate our, our particular ministry and open it up to various jurisdictions. Um, before you know it, it just spread like wildfire. This is before the Internet. So, you know, we had to literally knock on the doors of various churches, parishes, asking them if they had any interest in becoming part of a of the ministry of exorcism. Uh, in most cases, the answer would be no, there's no interest. Um, and it's like for every every hundred church door that we knocked on, uh, we were able to gain an appointment with the bishop. There was no interest in this form of ministry. Um, even today, okay, there are parishes across the country that will not go out of their way to have an exorcism within their diocese. And uh, again, I'm not, um, I'm not dumping on anyone. Uh, I will tell you that each diocese, each jurisdiction is run within an autonomous nature from within the bishop uh, who, who, who is presiding in, in that particular jurisdiction. Um, so, we're able to do things that, that most organizations may be restricted to do. Now, understand, if we're talking about demonic possession, there is a three to six months before we actually approve a ritual. That is part of the system. However, it's a, if it's a demonic infestation, it could be a lot sooner than that. Uh, and as a result, especially when, it's, when we have the evidence, like the first day, where we're able to capture the evidence, we're able to um, uh, uh, view it, see it, uh, and it becomes a very real scenario, then we could jump on it almost immediately. Uh, that's under a demonic, quote-unquote, demonic infestation. That's possible. But when it comes to demonic possession, it's a different scenario because we have to go through the medical and the psychological profiles. We have to wait for those reports uh, from their doctors, and then once we get the reports, then our doctors have to review them. And then, uh, then there's a whole process involved which will take between three to six months. Okay, that's only on demonic possession. But demonic infestation, as I said, could be a lot sooner. That's different than uh, uh, what used to be, I guess. The, I, I I thought the old criteria, I don't know, you're using a different criteria. I thought the old criteria was actually humorous myself, uh, logically, only because, you know, if you meet up with a demon, uh, uh, the Catholics at one time would say, the demon has to propel an object. They have to talk a different language. They they have to do these things. I I always wanted to know, and I'm just you know just a logical guy. It's like, what demon that's you know they're they're super intelligent. Number one, thousands of years old. What demon is going to fill out the application so that they can be exercised? <laughs> they're going to hide well, you, know, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't. I, if they said you know speak another language, demon, I'd speak pig Latin or something. Uh, and if you that, believe me, it would be, <laughs> that would be yeah, you know, you, if, they, if they asked me to pro propel an object, I'd say, no, I can't propel objects. What are you, crazy? I'm happy where I am. Uh, you know, why would they do that? Uh, so you I know, think it, it takes a very it, it, intelligent person. Well, we, well, well, let me say this. It's the 
it's the nature of the demonic to deceive you uh, and to throw your attention away from your true purpose. If that's concentrating on your faith and your power and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, if he could take your thought and concentration away from that, he, he will. He will distract you with bleeding walls. He will distract you by by things being elevated and thrown across the room. If he could somehow get you away from your true purpose, if you're in the middle of, well, as I said, a couple of years ago, I almost lost my life. I was reading from, from the Roman ritual, and right in the middle, I got slammed three times with a two-by-four on the side of my body. I felt it. It was tremendous, very real pain. And believe me, was that a distraction? I would say so. Yeah, so, I would think so. You know, so. This, like, <laughs> you know, their whole nature is to distract you, uh, especially if you're getting close to the final climax, okay? They want to distract you in such a way that they can remain hidden within that person uh, or within the walls if it's an infestation. If they could somehow distract you or even even frighten you to a certain degree where you're no longer comfortable in continuing uh, your whole purpose of being there, if if they could somehow implant... You see, as I said earlier, every one of the target, and that means demonic oppression can affect everyone, including the priest, okay, that may have a thought implanted um, if he's not properly prepared. And, um, and preparing for a ritual is another issue altogether. I mean, there's like fasting involved, There's and this goes on for days, even before we attempt uh, an actual ritual. But uh, getting back to this, uh, the demonic will distract you in every way possible. If we go, if we have our investigators go to a house where a person says, well, I am um, possessed by a demonic uh, entity, then we'll have to look at that and say, really? Well, why would he present itself like that? Uh, The nature of the demonic wants to hide itself deep within that person. It doesn't want to be revealed. It will do anything to hide itself from you. So we have to rely on the people in the household. And as we go through the dialogue, and the questionnaire, we have to make sure that, that certain things are said and the timing is said and we're studying the mannerisms, the body language, everything else. We, we try to have it down to, a, to almost a scientific uh, approach where it's like I'm right there with them witnessing everything because the cameraman is there filming everything and taking everything in. And, um, and so this is, this is how the whole scenario works. And every case is totally different, which means we have a different approach in some cases. Um, but, uh, you know, if that happens, we had a case where, where, where the garage, where this, this person's garage was, had a demonic infestation, the garage, if you could believe that. And the car, the car was parked in the garage and the headlights would flash on and off every once in a while. And the engine would start and, and you'd hear the horn like two or three o'clock in the morning, you hear the horn beeping, um, you know, and (laughs) strange things, but you see it, it, it it, ha- it it likes to just simply gravitate and and trespass on our holy presence and trespass within our space and as a result, hope somebody will have the ability to uh, to call us. Maybe we could be of assistance. Yes. Um, where where, where do you see where, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in this battle? Because. Clearly, you have a vision. I mean, I always tell people, uh, 
a lot of times naive people will write me and they'll say, how can I get involved in paranormal? I always tell them, don't open the door. Because once you do and you have a vision and you've experienced it, it, it changes your life. That's right. And uh, you must have a vision that's you know far beyond uh, your average paranormal person. How do you look years, at things? Over the How years, do you look my, at things? How do you? I'll tell you. Over the years, my perspective has has been altered, and through every experience, through every case, I get further and further into a different perspective as to what I'm actually dealing with. The way I look at it, the way I view it now, uh, is that I see everything pretty much black and white. It either is or it isn't. It's either a part of a human condition, perhaps a psychosis, perhaps somebody wants attention, or it's a real demonic entity that is doing incredible things to this poor body where I can actually witness the levitation of the body, where I could see lesions starting to develop in their face and other parts of the body, where I could see writing, where I could see things that are happening physically on the person. Then I could understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm dealing with the scenario of the black and white scenario. It's either real or it's not. There's no middle ground. You cannot say, well, maybe he's a little bit uh, possessed. You know, maybe he has a, a demon that, that's, you know, is a part-time worker. You see, it only comes in once in a while and then it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, I, I, I don't know about the labor, you know, uh, issues there, but all I do know is that if it's a genuine article, it's going to present itself in time. Once it's provoked with sacramentals, once we uh, pull out our crosses, our holy water, our, our blessed salt, our, 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 our blessed um, um, oil, you know, things will start happening. It will become provoked. And once it becomes provoked, it will start manifesting itself in that person. And you could see the changes actually take place as you're there wow. saying the prayers. So when you do it, you have, you know, there's a systematic way to do it. You have to use the sacramentals. You make sure that you're reading the, the the ritual itself is a is a repetition of prayers over and over and over again. If the person has a multiple possession, that means many demons in that individual, we may have to be with that person for over a year, maybe even a couple of years, because we have to exercise each and every demonic entity. We have to have it identify itself. It's not going to give up its name. It's very guarded in its identity. It doesn't want you to know who it is. It doesn't even want you to know it exists. So um, right. it, will, it, it, will even, it will even mimic the person and say, well, I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine now. You know, you could leave. And it may not be the true person. It could be the demonic talking to that person. So deceptions are part of the whole scenario. You have to know exactly what you're doing. Do it, have, do, do it in a very analytical way. Make sure your approach is systematic. Make sure that you have some form of, of, um, of order. It has to be done in a chronological, chronological order. When you're detecting and trying to make the demonic come out of the person and reveal its it, it, it even being there, you have to get out your sacramentals. You've got to start your prayers, and that's how it is. This, <clears throat> this is a war. This is like you're, you're fighting. You're fighting uh, this entity. This entity is on the defensive. This entity is going to do whatever it can to protect itself. It's going to try to block the, the blows that we give, that we deliver, because understand, the force that we have within ourselves is from God. We do nothing in our own accord. It's from the power of Jesus Christ. Not yes. one demon could stand against that power. So as we continue 
to throw these spiritual blows. The demonic is guarding itself, and it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And as the, as the ritual continues, you're tiring that person. That demonic is getting so fatigued that it has no other choice but to release and give you the information that you're required, such as when are you planning to leave this individual? What is your name? And you know what? It has to cooperate because you've already went nine rounds with this, with this demonic entity. You are nine rounds. The demonic is already leaning on the ropes. The demonic is exhausted. The demonic has no concept as to what's going on because it's, it's just about ready to be knocked out by the Holy Ghost. And so when wow. that happens, boom, it happens. And then I have had cases where the demonic had exit the person, and all of a sudden you hear a big bang, like a firecracker go off. And you could hear the firecracker go off throughout the whole house. So there have been other cases where there was nothing but silence. And the person's texture of, of skin would just turn uh, into a normal flesh tone where while for the longest time this poor person had had uh, had a gray tone to its skin and has always the skin, skin to the touch would be always cold and as if you were dealing with a dead person because when a demonic possession uh, occurs, the person who is, uh, who is the victim, he is dead physically because – and it starts showing signs of death. You can start seeing the grayness in the skin. You can start – Smelling the smell, the stench is so strong. And and if you've ever been near a person who has passed on, and if you've ever smelled the rottenness of flesh, that's what it would smell like. And that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with somebody who is possessed. If you ever run across a person that does not want to give it up, that actually once i we did that's why i'm asking this a person that actually enjoys the attention the company there are two things that we look for and we ask the first thing is do you want to be helped we look at the right. person's best we ask them do you want to be helped do you believe that god is going to help you do you believe you're going to go through a healing right now do you want to help us help you if their response is, no, I'm not interested in your help. No, I'm not interested in the healing of God. No, I'm not, don't, I'm not interested in any of that. Then guess what? We can't do anything. We have to have their okay. whole cooperation. They have to know, uh, you know, and, and there are periods where they could actually uh, be lucid and articulate and actually tell us whether or not they want our help. But they have to have uh, we have to have their permission because we cannot do it okay. against against their will. I no, no, one question. One one question I had is: given, given what you do and the risk you take, okay, you have exercised a demon, and that demon, given our society today and the amount of evil and sin that's available to everyone, I mean, from lottery tickets to casinos to porn to drinking to substance, etc. I, do you feel like your fingers in the dike, like you're just you know got a finger in the dam and it's you know the demon you got rid of that demon but he went elsewhere it's so easy for him to go elsewhere. Uh, I, I I would feel like uh, at some point defeated. You I'm, know, a where, uh, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm sorry. 
I am a soldier. I am in the front yes, you line. Are. And I see the enemy coming to me. I'm not going to stand there and count how many enemy people are, are heading in my direction. I'm going to pick up my rifle, and I'm going to start shooting at them. In regards to counting how many there are, I'm, that's not my concern. My concern is to be on the line. My concern is not to give up my footing. My concern is to be standing uh, with on the rock, solid rock, be firm in our Lord, and also make sure that our purpose and our meaning and our mission is going to be completed. I'm not going to give up the line. I'm going to stay as my fellow soldiers will stay shoulder to shoulder. We will stand and we will hold the line. Regardless of how many demonic entities may come our way, we're not going to count them. We're just going to uh, do whatever we can to get rid of them. That's right. God and we bless put on the you. armor of God so that we'd be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And that's part of uh, the phrase that uh, that we're talking about. Now, uh, just before I let him go, and Ed and Marcia, please, please uh, stay on. But um, okay. uh, uh, Archbishop Ron, how do you pronounce your last name? File. 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 Bishop like file Ron cabinet. File is from the yeah. Order of the Exorcists. It's such an organization with, the, with the demonic assessment teams, lead investigators, clergy, medical psychiatrist members, are ready to work together, uh, requested for case uh, assignments. And the organization is international with members in 24 countries. And they are looking for uh, people that can don the full armor of God and help out. So if you're interested or you need help, go to www.orderofexorcists.com. And how else can they get a hold of you? Well, we have we actually have two websites, and we have a third one that's going to be um, online pretty soon, which I'm, I'm real excited about. Uh, we have, um, uh, her name is Emily, bless her heart. She's a professional web website designer, and she's offered her services which would normally cost us thousands of dollars to design a website for us, and it's going to be up and up and going uh, uh, very soon. I pray. Um, so bless you, Emily. Um, but our website is uh, www.orderofexorcist.weebly.com. That's our main one right now for the time being. However. You know, the new one's going to be uh, be online, I, I pray, pretty soon. And when that happens, I'll make an announcement. Well, thank you so much for being on tonight. You've given us hope and light in the darkness because we are in a troubled times where uh, technology, uh, easy access to, to many uh, negative and horrible things, and things bad are going on all the time, and that's why we have to pray against this every single day. We all have to join in agreement that there's evil going on, and we have to fight against it. Either on, are you part of the solution, or you're, or you're the problem? That's the way I feel about everything. So that's why I'm in the trenches. I want to tell you, I agree. Uh, pardon, yeah, I want to tell you, Archbishop, too, that um, if you need anything, you let me know, please. And so uh, you know where I'm on Facebook, and uh, just let me know any way that. Uh, you need me in any way I want to help. And I want to thank you I so much need, for sharing. What? Let me just say one thing. Marsha, I Go do ahead. need you. Edwin, I need you. I need everyone who hears my voice. I need you to pray for my members who are working on cases, even today, even as I speak. They're probably going through 
unimaginable things and situations right now as a result of dealing with a real, true, demonic entity. And if you could keep them in your prayers, I would really appreciate it so very much. Always. 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 Of course. We all agree on this. And... uh, Yes. We'll be doing that all all the time and even more focused, and we ask our listeners to please pray for them and the people that are going out there, they're righting the wrongs, and they're actually saving people's souls because we have an eternal soul. That's what I believe. So this is kind of a forever thing. Our bodies are temporary, but our souls are forever. So this is very yes. important work, and we want to thank you so much. Archbishop it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I want to wish you a good night. and. I wish you much you. help and love and happiness, and uh, we want to thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank and you God so bless much, you. too. Okay, good, good night. night. Okay, good, good night. night. God bless. Good night. Thank God bless. Thank you. Okay, so uh, amazing, amazing man. Uh, i just an honor to meet him, and I feel actually safer knowing that he's out there and all his teams are out there and uh, we can support him in any way we can. And uh, now, Ed and Marcia, you guys have a show tomorrow night that I wanted to hear from you about. Yeah, we're going to be on with a good friend, Sandy Wells, S.J. Wells. And uh, besides being a good friend, she's a good writer and an author. And I'll have a couple of some advice from my author friends because uh, – there's some real negative activity going on in the publishing world that uh, I don't want anyone to get trapped into. Uh, but we're going to talk about True Haunting 2, which is delayed, and just okay. have some fun. Uh, I saw that. Just have you some know, fun. Um, we're waiting, but whatever the reason, uh, I trust in you explicitly that you know what you're doing because you've been there, done that. So uh, there should be a good reason for this, you know, so that's why... Uh, I'm patiently waiting, but I wanted to hear from you guys uh, with just what was going on. Uh, I'm going to do a rant. I'm going to do a rant because uh, <laughs> well, what I told my publisher, I, I, I don't want, I can't write it on Facebook because my grandkids will get mad at me. Uh, but uh, I, I, there's there's a, a movement going on in the publishing world of censorship that uh, is actually right now pretty transparent. I came head to head with it, and I was shocked. Because uh, I've done my publisher eight books in, in four years, so uh, yeah, I will do a rant tomorrow night. Marshall censor okay. me though. Uh, yeah, I'll try. Uh, I can't. <laughs> well, you Take know, because you have that head. booming voice. I mean, you can drown anybody out, and you know it, Ed. You have the power. <laughs> and he does. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, he has I'm just the a power. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of aren't right you totally, okay, aren't you guys totally sick of people that are so passively, aggressively sneaking around, doing all this evil deeds, you know what I mean, saying bad things against you, and it's just stupid. That's like another thing I want to tell you. These people are so weak, you know, they have to attack Marsha? Oh, come on. I, you know I, I, mean? I don't Oh, I want to kick some, you know what? I, I, I know. We watch it. We watch it on Facebook, and we see different things. Oh and, man! Uh, my my feeling is, you know, God bless them. Uh, obviously, they're unhappy and they're striking out, and uh, exactly. they've got exactly. they've got a problem. And uh, I, I, for the most part, Marsha and I ignore it. Uh, oh, that's good. We, we will not get 
We, Marcia, you yeah, could the more you feisty, but you're, she's sweet, and you do so much, and you give and give and give. Oh my God! And there's well, somebody who could just say anything. That's the way it is. They and must it be seems possessed. Like the more I do, I the more they do. So, you know, they well, want to stop. It's, it's not just me, Shark. Anybody out there that's trying to do something nice. They want to make fun of it, or they want to do yeah. something to, because they feel bad about themselves. That's why I say and no I, good deed goes unpunished. You know what I mean? It's just like that. You exactly. have to do it like you do right out of your heart, because there's uh, there's a counter action of uh, lower power that goes on. You know, and that's how you know you're doing something right, though. I know I've told you that, but is when they're acting sure. against I had a it, you know you're doing something. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. I had a fellow who contacted me who he uh, happens to be a friend and uh, mm-hmm. he's involved in a he, and he has been involved in a very negative dispute that's gone on for quite a while and I refuse to get involved so he'll no way. if he contacts yeah, me, me and tells me his problems I tell him I don't want to hear it I'm not, I have no interest <laughs> and, a, and after about three months he, he contacted me one night and he, he started and I said do you realize that when you started your dispute I started my book, True Haunting 2. <laughs> I'm done with the book. I, I wrote a book in the time that you wasted. You and know, th- those are minutes Those are minutes yeah. that cannot be spent positively. They're minutes that you wasted negatively. Exactly. And, uh, so true. I just see it as a monstrous waste of time. And, uh, it is. But you but do you find a lot of... Mm. It hurts the good people. It hurts the people that that need a little hope, need a little yeah. extra, you know, hand up. And yeah. that's the people it's hurting. It doesn't bother when they come after me. I don't care. But when it interferes with other people, when other people are not getting the help they need or the counseling or just a kind word, sometimes that's right. all they need, you know. Yeah. And they can't, they can't huh. tempt us because, I mean, we've got friends, friends like you. We've got wonderful yes. people in our lives. We've got Thank children. We've got grandchildren. God has blessed us so much that there's no idiot out there that can ruin my day, actually. <laughs> no, there uh, isn't because uh, you have the full, first of all, you have the full armor of God, like that that uh, prayer from Ephesians that we've been saying throughout tonight that, uh, you have to don the armor of good, but that means that you're going to have to fight. You know what I mean? And once in a while, I just have to fight and counteract it because I think they're a bunch of imbeciles. And I usually don't see what happens. You know what I mean? I could just see the aftermath. And I just think, yeah. what, a, what a little, ignorant, small brain little tiny person, the little tiny <laughs> black person would do anything to march off. She's tiny. <laughs> Leave her alone. You know, Char, Char, you know your what? Bible very well. You know your Bible very well, better better than I do. But, you know, it's something that I ask, and I ask St. Michael every single morning. Um, yes. You know, Jesus Jesus uh, said, turn the other cheek. But he also I kicked tried. the money changers' ass down the stairs. <laughs> you, know, yeah. uh, he, you know, so he had a temper. And the money changers weren't some fat old men. They had probably had bodyguards. They had money there. So he whipped all their butts and kicked them down the stairs. So he lost his temper. And I frequently ask God, you know, for at least give me the wisdom to know when to draw the sword. Uh, 
I don't know, you know, if I'm drawing the sword, am I doing it for myself yeah. or am I doing it for, uh, for with purpose? And uh, that becomes a dilemma sometimes. Uh, and most it times I, I try to be Because you want to be wise. You want to be mature. You want to do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, and I never want to harm, harm anybody. <laughs> no. And I'm trying to use your, not even the nuts that are doing it. They're just so stupid, yeah. but. I'm telling you, somebody was harassing the heck out of me, and I had to fight with all my tools and actually shut the person up. But I had to oh. fight back hard, and it worked. Because I said, you know, I, I, I know you somebody where yeah. you are, and they were far away, thousands and thousands of miles. I said, but I just happened to know a cop there, which is true. And I sent him. I sent him on the – I fixed him, and it worked. How did you? Yeah. And I told him. To, I told him to stay on his meds, and he said, "How did you know I was on meds?" And I went, "Oh, you know, I was using my remote vision. I guess I don't know." But anyway, <laughs> stay on the meds. Jeez. No, there, there, there are some people out there where kindness and the word of God offends yes. them, and yeah, I, know, uh, I don't know why it offends them. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know, know why it offends them. I have been studying the Bible, right? But Jesus will say, "Don't be offended because of me." And when you first read it, you don't know what, well, what is he saying? How could we be offended? I, and this is it. This is it. Yeah, it's not it's the, us. This, it's it's yeah. not us. It's yeah. people will offend us because they're offended. You know, right. so I'm offended. You know, I had to do this. Yeah, to me, it, it I, becomes, was, I was in. That, 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 be, there are, that becomes the decision point is, is are you offended yeah. or are you defending your beliefs? You know, exactly. if, if if I have to defend my beliefs, I'm going to oh, fight like a lion. <laughs> I'll fight yes, like a lion yeah. defending my beliefs. That's right. As far as That's myself, right. my own image, I don't really care that much. It's like, you know, God bless you and have a good day. Uh, yeah, right. I don't want well, to get into I'm any offended, But I'm offended. I'm offended for, uh, I'm offended at the idea that the word of God or the name of God is a bad thing. That of Yes. I'm very offended I'm by that. For myself. Yeah, not for me personally. Well, somebody, okay, so I was in a group that I was real comfortable with that I still am, but uh, there was a person there that literally said something extremely uh, offensive to me. And I stood up and I said, you're talking about my Savior, and I'm very offended. Right. The whole room right. went into shock. Because I would say that I want, but I'm offended. You can't do that. Right. You know what I mean? You're talking about my savior now. You know what I mean? Be, right. Make light of everything else, but don't you say that again? And it worked. You know, I have to really sometimes just say, not with my Jesus. You're not. You know what I you mean? I think I even put a little. I even put a little cartoon yeah. up there when I was boxing somebody out and knocking them out. Yeah. Because it's like you can say whatever you want. You can trivialize everything, but you say that we're, we're fighting. It's like talking right. about somebody's Those mama. Those are fighting words. That's fighting words. <laughs> well, I know it's late over there, and uh, we've gone a little over. But you know what? You guys are uh, the best friends a person could have. Uh, I'm truly blessed Aww. by all the things you do. I have you. I have my books on the uh, – Ed's books on the nightstand. I have uh, Marsha's rosary up on my cross and on my altar. I also have a chaplet. That you made me, I have it on my desk at work, along with the icon of Saint Francis. Aww. 
And that doesn't seem to, you know, offend anybody at work. So I'm just kind of, you know, I work for a federal program, so you got to kind of be on the down low a little bit. But sure. it's still there. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, you know, if you, you, read my book. <laughs> if you ever need us, you, you just make the call. Thank if you, you ever need us, you make the so call. Much. Thanks so much for joining in. I, I just really wanted your input on tonight because I felt like uh, what was we were talking about is so important and that both of yes. you have suffered the brunt of this kind of activity and that there's there's uh like Archbishop Phil uh File I, I know how to pronounce his name now, File, that uh is really <laughs> working hard and we've got to support what he's doing and s- support them through prayer. You know, we don't even have to be yeah. there. We just pray for them, pray for all those people that are are fighting against these things right now. I actually woke up from a dead oh, yes. sleep. And this Char, is what it's bad it, right now. It's bad. And the yes. the phrase that, that came to my mind was I knew the whole thing before I woke up I heard in a loud voice say, For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up your full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, and that's why we can't give up. That was no, straight out of no. Ephesians, and that was all in my brain and in my heart before I even woke up. I heard a voice telling me that. That's amazing. Wow. And that's why I know it's amazing, and that's why we have to, you know. Of course, when I woke up, I couldn't remember it. I had to read it. But uh, the the thing is, is that we have to remind each other. There's something else we're fighting against, and we have to fight that good fight. You know? Well, you know, it was weird about uh, about a week ago, um, it, just that early, just before you wake up, and these three words kept going over in my head that were not English. And so I asked a friend of mine, I said, do you have any idea what those words meant? And I spelled them as they sounded out. Of course, I didn't know the real spelling, but I, I said, this is what they sounded like, and I told her. And so she came back at me about a half hour later, and she said, what she, what it sounds to her like the meaning was, save the children or save my children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the message right now, that so many of God's children are in dire straits. They, really they are, are in pain. They're confused. They're lost. And we all have to get out there and say, look, you're you're okay. You really are okay. Yeah, and don't panic. Hope. Yeah, don't yeah, panic. Don't panic. Don't, don't do anything. We've seen a lot of suicides. I mean, lots oh, of suicides. Yes. And yes. it's it's so uh, horrible to think that, you know, they go that extreme. It's like, and when you're doing it, it's not only what you do to yourself, it's what you're doing to your family and the people that love you and your friends. Exactly. You know, so please, exactly. there's hope. You don't do that. It's, it's like a permanent so solution for a temporary story. problem. That's what I heard, you know, yes. and uh, just come back from that. That's why we need to encourage each other. And, Marsha, you're in there encouraging all day, every day. I want to thank you for that. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. That, that <laughs> thing's like a little hokey sometimes, but it is from my heart. It's beautiful. <laughs> just... It's not hokey. And your uh, <laughs> your Jerry is hilarious because she's got the cusser side in her, and it's very funny. I I don't know. I just love you too. And 
And I want to thank you so much. And uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow night. Now, uh, where can they hear you tomorrow night? Uh, I, I guess it's on uh, it's the Sandbox. Yes. It's called S2 Wells' yeah, Sandbox. Yes. And I'll okay, post it on please. my page. Uh, I'll, yeah. Marsha will post it on her page. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yet, but I'll get it. Yeah, great. We'll have some fun. Okay. And Sandy and I are going to argue. Sandy and I are going to argue because she has. She wrote a vampire book. I wrote a vampire book. My vampire <laughs> book is tougher. It's, it's tougher than her vampire. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. I know. They, they the ending was kind of different. <laughs> I read that book too. No, that she, ending. Hmm. But anyway. Thank you for having us. I want to thank you, uh, Edwin and Marsha Becker. Edwin Becker is uh, author of the book True Haunting, and Marsha Becker is an artist, and she makes the most awesome jewelry and oh, thank uh, you. holy uh, rosaries and stuff like that. So you can reach them on Facebook. And uh, thank you guys so much. Have a very good night, and take care of yourself. You too. Thank God, you, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. God bless. Thank you. We love okay, you. Keep me in your prayers. Love you too. Okay, bye-bye. Yes. Good night. Good night. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in and just being so faithful and following the show. And, you know, your support means so much to me. It keeps me on the air. Uh, We're having our third anniversary in Halloween. So uh, if you've got any Halloween uh, parties or ideas or whatever, just keep them them in mind. And uh, we're going to promise to have a big show for you then. And just follow us every week. Pacific Standard Time for a new guest and follow the link to contact me or you can message me if you'd like to be part of the show or for general help and assistance. Of course, you can write me by snail mail, Sean McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California. I want to God bless you and thank you all for tuning in tonight and thank the chatters and listeners. Uh, You guys are the most awesome people and all of you that tune in every week and listen in the archives. I want to thank you very much. And this show also will be archived. You can listen to it anytime you want. So remember to tell your friends, the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us. God bless everyone. May your best dreams come true. And you find that true love that you're looking for. God bless you. And good night.